Welcome to the Arise podcast with Danielle Castillejo and Maggie Hemphill, a podcast about faith, race, gender, justice, and the church. I am, I'm Danielle Castillejo, and I'm so honored to be welcoming a dear friend of mine that I've reconnected with over the last few years, uh, Janelle McFeet Broderson. Yes. Uh, I remember Janelle first on the high school basketball court, like spinning circles around me and everybody else. It was pretty awesome. Um, but Janelle and I went our separate ways for many years. And recently, you know, social media is a great connector. But the greatest part of that connection is seeing someone in person. And I remember seeing a little bit of what Janelle was doing online on Facebook and on social media. But then when we've had a chance to connect and meet, I've followed this path towards um, realizing a passion in social justice issues. And Janelle is definitely blazing the trail on that in Kitsap County. So I want to thank you for that, Janelle. Um, she's a social justice um, program manager, and she work, um, works with the Reentry Welcome Home Project here in Kitsap County. So thank you for being with us. Can you tell us a little bit more about who you are besides that we know you were an awesome tennis player and basketball player? Well, thank you. I feel really cool right now. <laughs> so I just wanted to um, give a heartfelt thank you to Danielle and Maggie for allowing us to tell our story today um, about what we're doing here in Kitsap County and what we're doing at both the Port Gamble-Sklom Tribe and Suquamish Tribe. So thank you for that. You got it. <laughs> so a little bit about Janelle Broderson-McFeet. Um, it was 1977. I'm going to go there. <laughs> And I'm going to tie this all together, so don't worry. Actually, 1977 is when Roots, the original movie Roots, was released. Seven years later, I watched it. I was saturated in pain and sorrow. And at that, and I was seven years old, and I was in my bedroom, and one of those little TVs, those little portable black and white TVs, and I was watching it. And I cried, I threw up, I shook, and I ran to my parents saying, how can human beings treat other human beings like that? So I sat with my mom and dad on the couch, and we had a long conversation. And I am not kidding. It was never a choice to become a social worker. It was always inside me. I never wavered on what I wanted to do. Throughout my whole entire life, whether it was watching a movie or watching um, my family go through big-time struggles, um, I believe I am here on this earth to help those people that are struggling, that are hopeless, and need to see the light. And I fast-forward this to... Um, right before I attended Pacific Lutheran University, I watched another movie. And as an empath, this is not a great idea. I watched The Killing Fields. Mm. Same, same reaction. Um, shaking. I threw up. I couldn't. I, I was numb. That was it. I went to Pacific Lutheran University. I said, what do I need to do to get into the social work program? So... Again, never wavered in that. And so we, Jason and I sit here today to tell a story of how 
this reentry program um, started and how we hope it will continue. Um, but that's just a little backstory about me. Um, and I can tell a little bit more about the, the process of how we got here. Yeah, uh, we also have with us Jason Gomez, who's a substance use disorder professional or a chemical dependency counselor. And Jason, I like the name Gomez. Gomez, we share that. That's cool, bro. That's that's rad. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are and where you're from? So um, I'm a, originally was born in San Diego, California. I'm a Navy brat. That's why I went Army. But that's a little bit of part of my story. Um, I'm a six and a half year recovering addict. Um, I've been clean for six and a half years as of December 3rd. Um, well done, sir. Uh, yeah, it's been a long road. Uh, recovery is probably one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life, um, including basic training and, and all of that. Um, my story is um, one of abuse uh, as a child. Um, which took me into the drug world and the alcohol world um, from the time I was 13 to 35. Um, I was an IV drug user. Um, if you put a, a, a plate in front of me with every drug in the world on it, I probably have done most of them. Um, criminal, criminal thinking started at 16. Uh, that's when my criminal career started. Uh, from 18 to 35, I had been booked into the Kitsap County Jail 35 times. Now, if you if you divide that, that's uh, more than uh, twice a year. Uh, and some of those years, I was spending multiple years in prison. Um, I'm a two-time uh, two-time uh, violent felon, which means I have two strikes. Uh, if I ever get another strike, I will be locked up for life. Um, but the good thing is, is at 35, I um, creator came down to me and, and put his hand on my heart and he healed me. Um, after I had uh, another part of my story, I, I had lost my girlfriend in uh, Montana in a uh, very violent field fire where I pulled her out of it and she was burning um, alive. Uh, and then the one year anniversary of that, I, I had put my mom on the ground by her throat until she was blue. And that's when creator came in and said, dude, you gotta stop this or you're gonna end up killing somebody or killing yourself. Uh, so I went to treatment, I came out and uh, met this lady over here named Janelle. Um, but we'll get into that a little bit later because I don't wanna spoil the, spoil the surprise. Oh, thank you so much for, for sharing a part of your story and thank you for being here today. Yeah, tell us a little bit about how you guys got connected and what the reentry program does in our community. Okay, uh, <laughs> I guess it's my turn to go. Um, so uh, when I got out of um, treatment uh, in 2013, I had I had tried to. Uh, get in with the reentry program. It was fairly new at that point. Um, my mental health counselor, uh, because because of my criminal history, um, I mean, my criminal history is really thick. If you put all the pieces together and press it together, it's, it's about two inches thick. Um, 
my my mental health counselor uh, said, "Well, let's go check out this reentry program." And he walked me over to the court services building down on the reservation, and I met with Janelle and uh, Re- Regina was working right, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so we kind of got me started that first time, but it didn't work out because at that time I was living with my mom who we had a no contact order, a a 10 year no contact order because of the violent felony that had occurred. Um, So Janelle being smart and not wanting to put her program in jeopardy by having somebody living with somebody uh, where there's a no contact order, uh, we just basically decided at that point that uh, I wouldn't be entered into the program. Now, this is this is a cool part about this, is uh, at that time it was only available to Port Gamble-Skalom tribal members, and uh, I'm not a tribal member, I'm a community member. My daughter is Port Gamble-Skalom, and they opened it up to community members. Um, and so I came back... Three or four years later, um, and at that time, uh, I was wasn't doing anything with my life really. I, I started going to school uh, to get my chemical dependency license, um, and I was paying this outrageous amount of uh, tuition to go to one of the colleges. And uh, Valerie Jones is is a pr- good friend of mine, and in she said, well, come on over, let's let's get you back into the program, and uh, it just flourished from there. Um, we got back in and um, went through a year and a half of the program, uh, came out with um, a job, uh, my license, um, and uh, it was a job at a, a local treatment center here. I'm not going to name the name. Um, and... Um, it was just really, really everything that I needed, everything that I wanted, uh, like just fell into my lap all at once. Um, and now, um, I was out for, out of the program for about a year and I graduated college. Um, I, I work with the reentry task force, which is a county wide, uh, task force where we all come together to, division of child support workforce this that uh, all these people come together and um, I've been a part of that since the beginning Um, and when I graduated college with a 3.5 GPA um, just this last summer um, which is something that I thought would never happen I mean when I graduated high school I barely passed right um it's just been this amazing thing um i I got hired on it out at the tribe i now work with um uh, i give back to the community that i took so much from um it's where i did a lot of my what we call dirt um you know robbing ceiling uh, all of that kind of stuff um north kitsap was my my running grounds and um i got clean there and uh, lots of people cannot do that um, because of the old using friends. I, I call them the nouns, the people, places, and things, right? Um, and now I get to uh, teach 
and, and give uh, that community uh, my love and my hope of um, being able to lead, lead a clean and sober life. Um, you can't see it, those of you that are listening, but I have hope and love tattooed on my knuckles. And that's because of um, when one of my clients is feeling down or uh, right before they leave the office, I always give them a little hope and give them a little bit of love um, because that's something that we as addicts and even even recovering addicts um, strive for. We didn't have a lot of that. Um, a lot of that was, uh, I mean, yeah, my mom, she was, she was my number one advocate. She still is. Um, now she lives with me, you know. Um, we got that no contact order dropped, obviously. <laughs> um, and it's just been one thing after another, but it all started with the reentry program. Um, they taught me, uh, they taught me that it was okay to love and be loved again. Uh, these people, I didn't know them from Adam. You know, I, I didn't know Janelle at all. Um, and now, you know, it, it's like uh, we're, we're a big family. Um, even when I see them in the community today, it's, it's always a hug. And, you know, hey, how are you doing? How are you feeling? One of us, if one of us is having health issues or whatever on Facebook, it's always, hey, are you doing okay? Do you need anything? Um, Janelle was having some heart trouble here a little bit ago and they had a little stress testing on her and she was, she, uh, you know, and it was just, when she told us about it, you know, it really concerned me, you know? So what, wasn't it the stress testing? I don't recall. I do. (laughs) (laughs) It's because she works so hard. Um, and she, she is a godsend. Um, I, I thank Creator every day for her and, and the reentry team being in my life because I want to be where I am today. Oh, thank you so much for sharing it. And your story is is full of hope and love. And what an honor to, to hear it today and, and to have you here. And um, um, I'm thankful for Creator for the ways in which he or she, they, he, yeah. all of them have moved in your life. Um, Jenna, I want you to speak a little bit about how the program works and what it looks like and how we can get connected to it. Sure. But I have to say before I do that, that Jason is the most resilient man I've ever met. We've been through a lot of, um, (laughs) (laughs) and this is why we do what we do. And although this is probably not the appropriate time to throw out data, I think it shows that you can have a program that is outside the box that might not fit into um, most jails or correctional facilities, um, but it does work at the tribe, and that's where it was birthed. And so we, we reduced our recidivism rate by 81%. Wow. Yeah. With our target population using restorative practices, using connection-based, relationship building, rapport. That is number one. So with our success coaches, everything else is secondary. The most important thing is that we sit down and we listen to the story. There's no judgment. It's a strength-based program, and it's a program 
do I dare say, a loving program. Absolutely. A family program where everyone's considered family, and that's what we talk about in the documentary as well, is that this is, this is a family. So this is a completely different approach, again, than, than what you would see um, in most uh, reentry programs. When, you, when most reentry programs, when you, when you think about reentry or you think about the drug courts or the, the um, restorative uh, kind of therapeutic courts, uh, you that's what you think of is is uh, therapeutic based practices. Um, what Janelle came in with um, was she totally revamped that into this like you walk in the door or you now you walk out of jail and you you've got somebody there meeting you. When I walked out of jail um, for all those years, I was walking down on the bottom of the hill to meet the dope man. Mm -hmm. I was walking down on the bottom of the hill to get my next fix. Now you got a friendly face outside that door, so that can't happen. Mm -hmm. And with with that, we're gonna there the the statistics are gonna are gonna prove themselves. Uh, there is so many times that that I walk our our local jail here is in Port Orchard up on the hill. Uh, I walked down that hill, and there was a couple times where I got caught doing the drug deal right down the hill and went right back in, mm-hmm. right? And this, what Janelle and the team have put together now is we've put a, a barrier so those people don't have to walk down that hill. So they don't have to face the scary world of not knowing where they're going, mm-hmm. uh, not knowing where they're going to get their first meal, where they're going to be housed, where they're going to do this, where they're going to do that. Because by the time they get out of jail, these caseworkers already have it in place. Yeah, I I think it speaks to a lot of research I've read and, and things I've experienced. You know, mm-hmm. I work in South Seattle at rest. And uh, I, are you familiar with Bessel van der Kolk, um, The Body Keeps the Score? No. In that book, it talks about like uh, processing and how our body remembers patterns and memory and mm-hmm. and talks a lot about attachment and secure attachment. And, and one thing he says is the need for attachment never lessens. So it's curious to me, how do we send people into incarceration? They leave incarceration mm-hmm. and then they leave detached. Well, hello. Right. Why did they get there in the first place? Right, absolutely. Yeah. And, and so just, just to back it up, to give a, a clearer picture, in 2011, I was actually hired, and this everyone can laugh after I say this, is I was hired as a probation officer. Yeah. Everyone laugh. Okay. So, um, which is interesting because uh, <laughs> it didn't really fit. But um, so so I was hired on at Port Gamble-Scalm Tribe um, as a pro- probation officer, but I but I started to sit in that office and I was looking at the files and looking how things were moving. And I just kind of wanted to dig through and go, oh, there's a better way. And so um, we kind of, we did a little thing, a few things differently. And then an opportunity arose and we had someone approach my supervisor saying that we had 477 funds for people that had criminal backgrounds but couldn't get jobs. So this is really how it was birthed. And my colleague Regina Avery has been with me from day one to developing this. So this was um, something that we have developed developed, and we were really looking at how how do we put something together that... um, 
still has evidence-based practices, right? Because you have to have that. And we use an evidence-based criminogenic risk and needs assessment on every single person that comes through the door. But after interviewing tribal members, after doing massive amounts of research, going around the nation trying to figure out what works best, it actually just came to us sitting like this in a, in a, in a living room setting saying what feels right. Um, a lot of what's rooted in Native American culture around talking circles, restorative circles, family, connection, that's what really heals. And so if you, if you, can, if you take that piece and you also marry that with evidence-based practices, you've got something special. And so we actually, in 2015, went for, uh, wrote a grant. Um, my supervisor, Chris Barone, is a great grant writer. Um, and we, we put this all together. We packaged it together. In 2015, we were the only tribe in the nation to receive the Second Chance Act grant. It was a million-dollar grant. Oh yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. And so um, with that grant, it was to essentially expose the model that we started in 2011 to um, other tribes. So we worked with Suquamish, um, mainly Suquamish, right? And then had had a lot of success with that, and that's where we produced our 81% reduction in recidivism rate. We worked with a research partner out of Seattle, MEF Associates. His name's Asaf Glosser, and he did a qualitative and quantitative kind of final evaluation on that, and that's how we got, got that. So, again, having such success and a lot of the participants were really seeing change um we decided to apply for another another grant another second chance act grant we got it again yes so again the only tribe of the nation to receive it and what we said in that grant is this is a universal way to heal so so being able to take um, these ideas that we had around culture and community and hope and completely deliver it into a really linear institutionalized models that we have here, right? The prisons and the jails and deliver it into that setting. That was going to take, that was going to take some work. Thankfully here in Kitsap County, we have an, an amazing group of community um, we work really closely with Lieutenant Sapp, who is open to this reentry movement. We work with um, our local commissioners. Um, Commissioner Greedo um, is is on board with this. Um, we actually even had U.S. Senator Patty Murray come out and talk to us at the tribe, um, along with Congressman Derek Kilmer. Um, and then recently, um, we spoke in a um, in Olympia to to our legislators about the importance of moving. From away from a punitive system to a restorative system and start to see people as human beings instead of caged animals. When you walk through that jail or a prison setting, it takes ev- the life out of you. And it's, um, it's, it's tough, right? It's tough because there's a balance of what the jail and Department of Corrections have to do, which is safety first, right? So how so how do you deliver these relationship-based programs, these really intimate programs, um, doing things like Wheel of Wellness? Um, Wheel of Wellness is a 
like a service plan, but it touches on all aspects of their life, spiritual, culture, physical, emotional, um, and they set goals around that. So we have ladies, uh, success coaches inside the jail that do that. They meet with them on a constant basis. They work with them on mindset development. And guess what? They go back day after day in that jail and say, we care. We're not leaving you. Someone's picking you up. We're here for you. We've had people break down in tears saying, we've never had a program or individuals care like that. It's just, it does, you don't, you don't see that. And so in, in developing this program and now I, and now I do travel across the nation to talk about how can we, how can we start to create culture shift within corrections? How can we start to have a conversation about deconstructing our current jail and prison systems and really trying something different? You know, start small. Pilot projects. You know, this this is a current pilot project right now that we're doing in Kitsap County Jail. And, um, and slowly we can start to change as a community and see that you can produce results and you can change lives through a different alternative way of healing. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're trying to do in Kitsap County. And so thankfully they have allowed us inside the jail to do this work. They even allow me in there unaccompanied now uh, and I get to walk out on the same day (laughs) (laughs) and so um the fight um is constant with some people who say well they did the crime so they have to do the time 96 percent of people that are Um, incarcerated are going to be released into the community. So if we don't start figuring out a plan to make communities safer, they're going to be someone's neighbor, right? And so if we don't start restoring and rehabilitating inside the jail, we're going to continue to have the same results. And that's that's truth. That's fact. And um, thankfully, Kitsap's giving us the opportunity to bring in some really creative programming. And one of, one of the programming that I did want to talk about was the, res- the restorative circle. So this re- we contracted with dispute resolution. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with dispute no. resolution. Um, they do a lot of mediation and, and restorative circles here in the community. So first time ever in Kitsap County, we're going to be working with those that are released from incarceration that are in the Welcome Home Project, the family, the victim of the crime, success coach, the community, um, and a few other people identified in, in, in that circle. And so I got a chance to attend um, the very first one, and it was absolutely amazing. There was not a dry eye. And what, what happened there um, was the ability to express freely, the ability for the, the participant to say, hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I did this. What are my next steps? I love you, mom. We even had um, a, a mom that called in on a cell phone and we put a candle on the seat with the cell phone. And everyone went around and they, they not only did they get to share and support that individual, they could also share their own stories. So we all have common ground. We're all human beings. 
that are that are wanting to be heard and listened to. It was one of the most beautiful experiences. Um, and in fact, there was a recent New York um, Times article that came out on using this type of practice for reducing recidivism. We just started this. I think this is going to be absolutely um, amazing on how it can heal and um, help help change lives. Yeah, I, I think of a baby when they're first born, and oftentimes, not every baby, but uh, many babies need that feeling of being swaddled. They need to be wrapped up tight and to know they're safe because they came out of the womb, you know? Right. And it almost feels to me like you're saying, like, we're not letting you go. We're going to wrap you up tight, and we're going to hold on to you a bit so you can reimagine, like, what attachment, what relationship is going to look like. And, and, and the follow-through that you're giving is really telling that person's brain that they can change their course of thinking. Because without the follow-up, without the consistent return, that person is not going to be able to make the shift. It's really hard to make it on your own. And, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, like I said, uh, I've been, shoot, the first time I went to Kitsap County Jail was uh, on, my, on my 18th birthday. Um, and... Every time that I got released, um, when there's nobody there, it's just, it's, you, you go back to your street family, mm-hmm. right? You, yeah, I, I would be welcome back into my mom and pa's home, but uh, as soon as I got there, there'd be people coming over. Um, and then I'd be off and running again. If I had somebody <coughs> at the door waiting for me, who knows where my life would be right now? Like, um, I, I, I never want to, I have learned so much because of my past and I don't think I would be able to, uh, count to work with my clients the way I do right now if I didn't have my past. Um, but it's just, it's so hard to imagine if a program like this had been uh, in place uh, back when I was 18, where would I be, mm-hmm. right? Um, because just from the program being at my uh, disposal uh, at 38, uh, my life has completely turned around because of this program. Um, and... You know, here in January, I'm going back to school for my second associates because I know that sounds kind of weird. Um, I graduated I graduated with a, a ATA, um, and I have to get a direct transfer degree so I can go on because I'm going to get a bachelor's in human services and then a master's in psychology. Um, so I can, uh, because anything with chemical, uh, chemical dependency or substance use disorder uh, anybody that comes out of that life is going to have some sort of uh, mental health issue, uh, whether it be PTSD, uh, anxiety, depression, grief and loss issues. Um, and I see that every day with the people I work with. And I want to be able to, to uh, not only diagnose my clients with that so they don't have to go from uh, person to person to person to person. I want to be able to bring it under one sh- one. One, one stop. Uh, you come see me, we'll get you diagnosed, and, and we'll get you on a way to a healthier life. Um, because my, my philosophy is, I don't care what you've done in this life, 
you deserve a good life. Um, because if that wasn't true, I wouldn't be sitting here in front of you right now. I have done some nasty, gnarly things in my life. Uh, nobody should ever put their hands on any woman, let alone their mom. And that was one of the hardest things for me, not only to forgive myself of, but to look at my mom every day now um, and see that she's okay is probably the biggest gift that I've ever received in my life. Um, her and I get along not real well. I mean, she's my mom. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> we get along. Uh, she will never, ever have to worry about uh, being... Uh, homeless or anything like that in her life. She will be with me until she dies. Mm. And I know that. Um, and that is something that I never thought would, would have happened seven years ago. Mm. Right? I was on Kitsap County's Most Wanted because of, of her, um, because of the, the crime. Um, and that, now everybody, you know, when I when I'm talking to my clients, they're like, you couldn't be that mean, you know, because now I'm just this big old teddy bear. That's what everybody, <laughs> you know, and, and my, my stature, you know, I walk around, uh, this is, people used to call, call me El Loco Uno, right? The crazy one. Um, and I mean, everywhere that I could put that, I, I put that when I was in active addiction. And when I went to treatment um, this last time, I killed that person. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm a Gemini, right? Mm -hmm. So that was my doppelganger. That was my evil twin. Mm -hmm. And I put him to rest. Mm -hmm. um, and my mom, when I got out of treatment, she, um, I love bald eagles, okay? Um, she got me this beautiful bald eagle picture, and then there was this thing on it, and it says, it's got my name on it. Oh, I'm going to try to remember this. It's a quote out of the Bible. Um, it says, the, um, Jason, uh, the healer, the Lord hath uh, appointed me to preach good tidings and uh, bind up the wounded. Mm. Um, and that hangs above my desk in, in my office. Um, and I look at that every day. And that's how I remember to keep doing what I'm doing. What, a, what an incredible um, transformation. And I think about you talking about your stature before and, and now as being a teddy bear. And um, that can only come from that, this kind of internal work that you guys are doing and not just the, the external needs, but really ch changing from the inside. And like Danielle said, caring, being cared for in a way that you have not yet been cared mm -hmm. for in this life. Mm -hmm. And what a gift that you in turn are able to do that for others. Uh, in the work that you're doing now and giving back to the community that you even said that you, this is the community I stole from and now it's the community you could give to. Mm -hmm. Like, that is a miracle. Well, the the funny thing is, is I had mentioned in, a couple of minutes ago they they actually let me walk around in the jail unaccompanied. Yeah. I have access to the jail because of my uh, job. I can go in and do assessments and stuff like that in the jail. Um, when I would be booked into the jail, they wouldn't call me by first name. You know, they, that's that's how they knew me. 
uh, the Paulsville Police Department knew me by first name. They knew to pull me over on site. Uh, the Sheriff's Department up North Kitsap and uh, down in the Silverdale area would pull me over on site. There was one officer, uh, Deputy Myers in Silverdale, he would always work the graveyard shift. And he would know where I'd be kind of hanging out. So he'd always get me on something. Um, and this will always stick to me uh, for the rest of my life. He... He, he arrested me one night, um, and we were on the way to the jail, and he, he says, you know, Gomez, if you weren't such a darn stupid blank, 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 blank <laughs> criminal, you know, we could probably be friends. He goes, pull your head out of your bank, bank, <laughs> and get your life together, you know? Yeah. And so uh, he, that, ha- that stuck with me. Um, and it was uh, about a year and a half after that that the thing with the mo- my mom happened, and um, and when I went to treatment, and I've always meant to try to get a hold of that guy, but I haven't had the uh, fortitude yet. So, one thing I was gonna say is you don't see results like that with the traditional programming and so um what i did want to piggyback on that is talk a little bit about the recovery cafe have you guys heard about the recovery cafe just a tiny bit just a tiny bit yeah so um we got uh the honor to go down um to the recovery cafe in seattle and i actually brought her book here who founded it um it's called descent into love how recovery cafe came to be and this is killian mill And after I read this, I mean, this is marked up all over the place because we've been working with this movement and this idea for about eight years. Um, And so after I read this, I'm like, wow, this aligns perfectly with what we do. And she coined the term radical hospitality, that um, there's healing and beauty. And so something that we do within our program and what she does within her recovery cafe is to acknowledge that when you when you walk into a recovery cafe it's beautiful there's gorgeous paintings there's warm colors there's a cafe where you can go up um, and get a latte of your choosing right and some people may say well really I mean should we really be doing this? And so I, I wanted to read this um, really quickly. This is part. This is about in the middle of the book. And what they were doing is they were remodeling the recovery cafe. And the contractor's like, you know, they messed up on the carpet. And he's like, really? Do we really have to deal with this? He said, do you really think the women and men who come to your recovery cafe are going to care if the carpet is not a good match, he asked. Honestly, we answered, they probably won't care because they're used to being treated as if their lives are somehow less valuable than the lives of others. But at Recovery Cafe and at the Welcome Home Project, everything will communicate. You are loved and your life matters. And so it tears me up a little bit because I feel like... um, we have gone away from 
really starting to um, distance ourselves, silo ourselves, um, and and not really in, engage and take a really hard look at what's going on within the system, right? And, and so um, I've been a case manager for a really long time, and now I'm in a little bit of a different um, job description right now, uh, kind of coordinating strategic planning. And, and now I have an opportunity to kind of looked at, look at those systems and see what can we do um, differently. And, and I wanted to bring that up because that's how all of our participants are greeted. The very first thing we do is we take them out to coffee. Mm-hmm. It's not go pee in a cup, go get an application at McDonald's, we'll see you next month. That's not what we do. Mm-hmm. That was the pounding the table. She gets very emotional with this stuff. I do. I'm actually very <laughs> subdued today. But I... Well. <laughs> but um, it's just, there's this... Um, desire to be able to to reach out I have this desire to um, reach out to as many people as we can communities law enforcement community agencies participants formerly incarcerated in fact um, Tara Simmons um, is currently um, running for Sherry Applegate's position and she ha- she's formerly incarcerated and she's an attorney she's a nurse and now she's running for office so awesome. someone that I, I completely support and so th- this is possible yeah. I often get made fun of for being an idealist and an optimist but it's possible. You see miracles happen all the time. You see things change all the time. So we will not give up as a group. And I have an amazing, an amazing staff of success coaches that are authentic and genuine and caring and they get it. And so they're in there and they're working every single day so incredibly hard and tomorrow I'm going to honor them mm-hmm. and we're going to take them to lunch and, and honor that because this is hard work. It's hard work to change. It's hard work to change systems. And um, I know we're getting close to to time. And so ever since I came across this quote, it's been etched in my brain. And I'm going to, I'm just going to end with this. Anytime the majority of the people behave a particular way, the majority of the time, the people are not the problem. Mm. The problem is inherent in the system. As a leader, you take responsibility for the system. And as a leader in this movement, I'm going to take responsibility and we're going to make change. That's good. That's so good. Uh, We're just blown away by the incredible work that you guys are doing. And we also want to spread the word. We want to um, get as many people aware and involved so tell us the best way to get a hold of the of you and of the welcome home project and where they can watch your documentary sure my home address is <laughs> don't do that people and mine is <laughs> so i'll start with the last friday of every month so the next one will be january 31st from 11 to 1 at the port orchard given center that is our it, It's titled Community Partnership for Transition Solutions. We have a wonderful, beautiful group that meets. 
um, a, a mix of local, tribal, um, state, formerly incarcerated community agencies that are coming together, that are saying, we get this movement, we are on board for this type of change. And, and we have a couple hour conversation and it's not just conversation, we execute it. You know, we, we gather that information and we have a great task force, um, co-facilitator uh, co task force that meets, um, sorry, I messed that up. We have co-facilitators that meet prior to the task force. And then, um, we talk about what are we going to deliver? What are the most immediate needs? And, and we want to keep that going. So the, the ultimate goal is that we have, this is a model for the state of Kitsap County Jail. It's the model for the state of Washington, for other jails across Washington state. That is our goal, that we start to take a little bit different look about how we are treating people that are incarcerated and get um, those service providers that are working with people that are incarcerated to look, to, to, to take a different look at what we're doing. Yeah, what I really hear is, is justice uh, coming from a heart of love or is justice coming from a place of vengeance? Yeah. And I think what often happens in our community is uh, X person did this, exact this punishment on them. Mm -hmm. And why? Because we want to punish them. Yeah, they, they committed a crime. We have these laws for a reason. But are we getting the result we want? Uh, like, no. So then, so then the obvious answer is why? And, and you, you've given us some reasons why. Mm -hmm. And you've given us some good things to think about. Um, I think about in my work as a therapist, I graduate in June, we talk about how you're wounded in relationship and you heal in relationship. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and I don't see why that would, we are all humans here. Mm -hmm. So I want to thank you for the good work you're doing and we look forward to partnering with you. This won't be the last time we see you, I know that. So Maggie, what are our last three questions? Yeah, tell us what you guys are reading, what you're listening to, and what is inspiring you. Well, I just happen to have some books here at the table. <laughs> <laughs> she always has books. My a new favorite that I love and I just carry with me, Emergent Strategy. So this has changed my life um, in regards to how I work professionally. And so um, there's, if you guys are looking for... Um, a book on how you can work with others mm -hmm. and what that looks like on co-collaborating, co-creating, moving from distrust to trust, hearing all voices and not necessarily recreating, but moving together. Mm -hmm. um, and, th and, and it talks about water and how things are always constantly changing that's and to good. be prepared for that. And so um, that's currently what I'm reading right now. So I would have to say um, I, I watched this the the this movie uh, the Freedom Riders. Mm -hmm. um, first time I'd seen it was a couple weekends ago, and it uh, I was crying every scene that had something to do with the the criminal thinking that I used to have. Um, I was in my room just bawling like a baby. <laughs> yeah. um, I. Uh, and there, there's a line in there, and it's when the when the lady from Germany or wherever that that hit out um, some of the Jews w during the Holocaust um, is talking to the to the students, 
and one of the students stands up and says, Miss, I, I can't remember her name, so-and-so, you're my hero. And she she looks at him and she says, uh, no, I'm not a hero. You guys are the heroes. You guys are the ones that are, are, are living through this today. Um, and my heroes are my clients. Um, I don't have heroes, but I, I do now. Um, anybody that's out there struggling with, with addic- addiction or mental health issues and they're doing something about it, those are my heroes. Um, one day, uh, I say this at the end of our, our documentary on my section, is my hope is um, that addiction won't be as prevalent and I won't need to have those letters behind my name because I won't have a job. And I'll go truck driving. I'll be all right with that. Um, but that's my hope. And, and that's what's inspired me today is, is my clients watching them go from uh, overdose after overdose after overdose to productive members of society again and, and not uh, being a statistic of the recidivism rate anymore, just like me. Thank you. As, as we as we do at the Port Gallimbo Sklalm Tribe, uh, I want to raise my hands to you for, for having us here. And that's a sign of honor and respect. And, and uh, thank you for allowing us to get this out there because this is absolutely 100% important. Uh, and I hope this gets broadcast everywhere. Because well, thank you so much yeah, for being here and, and the honor that we get to hold your story with you and to be a witness to the amazing work that you guys are doing and we cheer you on and we support you and we are for you and with you so thank you so much for being here today thank you yeah and i look forward to showing up on friday january uh, 31st yes peace peace